Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, and welcoming you to the 250th episode of your favorite professional wrestling podcast, the 2021 Getting Over Awards. Vintage Chris Vanini and the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, are here to hand out honors known as the meaties to the best and brightest in the world of professional wrestling over the last 12 months. We are thrilled to be here with you for the second straight year. These are indeed our second annual awards that we will be handing out, and we have plenty to get to on an absolutely loaded show. So I would be remiss. After all, it is the 250th episode of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. If I did not remind you, that this show, like every episode of Getting Over, so please, Getting Overheads, stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a five star rating for Getting Over, and on Apple Podcasts, let people know how much you love the show with a review, your thoughts, your five star ratings, your support and appreciation for what we do here means the world to us. And it's so great that we are closing out another year of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast with these awards and with so many five-star reviews across those two platforms. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Chris, it feels great to be here for the second year in a row, handing out these extremely special awards that they're known by another name. What, what's that name, Chris? The Meaties. <laughs> what are you, in like a, a chamber or something? Where did that come from? I don't know. I'm trying to do it different every time. Okay, well, you succeeded in doing that. Uh, we're trying to be professional in tuxedos and bow ties here, and you're here pulling out some improv. I, I, don't, I don't know that I like that very much. I, we should be buttoned up professionals here on the award show, the special edition, of course, of Getting Over, but we will be handing out awards over the next however long this show goes, in 18 different categories that technically is down from 20 last year, but it was purposeful that we did that. We wanted the show to be a little bit faster. Also, you know, 20 awards, 2020 made a lot of sense. Now that we're past that, we can kind of fine tune things here on getting over. Uh, So this was, Chris, our first full year of podcasting. We started the show in uh, March of 2020, so didn't exactly get a full year back then. And I will say, uh, it was quite an interesting year. Over the first half, we were still doing shows uh, or covering shows, I should say, that did not have fans in attendance, with the exception, of course, of, of WrestleMania 37. And then over the latter half of the year, it was just, you know, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall, debuts, returns, big stuff uh, from WWE and AEW, which is what we primarily cover here. But of course, throughout the world of wrestling, there were huge matches in New Japan. GCW uh, made It's Mark, I guess would be fair to say, on the professional wrestling world. Impact definitely stepped up its game in a number of areas due to its relationship, uh, at least short term, with AEW. So this was one of the more unique years uh, in professional wrestling that I can remember. Yeah, and, and, you know, we had among our five most listened to episodes right around that period in the summer with SummerSlam and CM Punk and Adam Cole and Brian and all this stuff. And and it was an eventful run right when they came back to full fans everywhere. 
Um, things kind of tailed off at the end of the year, but it's very different from where the year started to where it got to in the middle to, to where it ends now. A very uh, eventful year in pro wrestling. I think that is fair to say. And every year in professional wrestling, even when things are completely normal, you know, you can call them eventful. But I, I, I think that this one in particular, the big returns, the, the CM Punks, Edge coming back for the second year in a row, um, this time off injury, the first time off of retirement, uh, John Cena coming back, Brock Lesnar surprising, Becky Lynch surprising, uh, Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan uh, becoming Bryan Danielson again, uh, jumping ship when their contracts ended from WWE to AEW, two people that we didn't think were going to go there. I mean, Cole maybe was a little bit more likely to happen, but Daniel Bryan, I certainly didn't think that was going to happen. So just all year, it seemed like month after month, you know, let's let's not forget, arguably the biggest story of the entire year, WWE releasing nearly 80 talent members, wrestlers yeah. from their roster. That's obviously not something that's commendable, so we won't be awarding it during the show, but it was probably, I think, the biggest news story of the year, even above CM Punk returning to wrestling. Um, WWE cutting that many people in a 12-month period. And so it felt like every month, uh, every couple of weeks, there was something major for us to talk about here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. And it was just incredible that fans uh, and listeners, the Getting Overheads, came along for the ride this entire time. Yeah, and by the way, I looked this up. So two, this is episode 250. The, the, the 250th anniversary is called the Sester Centennial. Sester Centennial is 250 years. Okay. So this could this is technically, I guess, the Sester Centennial episode if we want to uh, ignore technicalities and just, just go with that. So I tried to make it a little bit more uh, proper sounding after my uh, after my uh, opening with, with the Medes. After your strange uh, uh, bunker, uh, yes. the Medes response that <laughs> I asked for to, to kick things off here. Yeah, uh, sure. Sester Centennial. I don't even know if that's correct. I'm assuming it is because you looked it up, but sure. Whatever you have to say there, Chris. Uh, the other thing that we're going to be doing in 2022 while we're uh, ragging on Chris a little bit is we're going to make sure this guy watches some of the, the classic movies of our generation that he has missed over the years. So once uh, the football season ends, which is coming up shortly, uh, you know, hopefully we'll make some memories here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast with some quick talk, uh, maybe preceding or succeeding some episodes uh, about movies that you catch up on in this large catalog that you have missed uh, over apparently your entire life that we're going to. Yeah, to well, you're out. the one you're the one who didn't watch Sasha Banks in a major TV show. So let's get you on that, too. Yeah, because I don't watch Star Wars. It's a singular franchise that I don't watch. I mean, you you have missed quintessential movies, especially for men of our age. I'm a little bit older than you, but but growing up in the 90s and 2000s, you've missed a number of movies that are just absolutely mind boggling to me. So we're going to have to get you. On to those. Um, but look, I guess there is a parallel. Uh, we're talking about movies and films. Obviously, the Oscars is, is such a huge uh, award ceremony, the Academy Awards, that it is fantastic uh, for us to be able to bring you, I'm trying my best to tie this together, uh, the Getting Over Awards to celebrate the year in professional wrestling. So Chris, uh, unless you have anything else, I think we should stop wasting time and get right to the awards. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it.
Ladies and gentlemen, getting overheads of all ages, welcome to the 2021 Getting Over Awards, aka the Meaties. We are here to bring you the best and brightest in the world of professional wrestling over the last 12 months. We have 18 awards to give out across, yes, 18 different categories. That is how math works. And Chris, I am absolutely thrilled to get started with our 2021 Broadcaster of the Year. Allow me to begin with our finalists, Excalibur from AEW, Kayla Braxton from WWE, and Pat McAfee from SmackDown. And the winner is... Pat McAfee from WWE SmackDown. This was a unanimous choice by our listeners, uh, Vintage Chris Vanini, and of course myself, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. I probably should have mentioned as we kick things off here uh, that those were the three voting parties here for the Getting Over Awards. Um, you know, each vote basically, we did a ranked choice and everyone got an equal share of the voting process. So when I say unanimous selection, Pat McAfee was the first place vote for all three parties, Chris. This was not at all a surprise to me. I think Excalibur deserves a ton of credit in AEW for really carrying that product uh, from a commentary standpoint. Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross both do good jobs, but Excalibur is across both shows and, and really brings a freshness, I think, to wrestling commentary on major television. But Pat McAfee sitting next to Michael Cole, having the freedom to say what he wants when he wants, ripping on baseball, ripping on the wrestlers themselves, saying things that no one else in WWE history, yes, including Jerry the King Lawler, could probably get away with on commentary. He is just the most entertaining person to listen to talk wrestling weekly. And for me, there was just no other choice for broadcaster of the year. Yeah, he joined in April at a time when WWE had a lot of announcer changes going on. You know, they, they, they changed things up quite a bit early on in the year. But when when McAfee debuted, like instantly you were like, oh, this guy's going to be really good at this. Yep. And he is, he's obviously, you know, the former NFL punter. He's now a professional broadcaster talker. So this is what he does. And what comes through with him so much is how much he just loves what he's doing and loves what he's watching. And that just goes such a long way as a viewer. You want to know that the person who is talking about this cares as much about it as you do. Yes. And that's exactly what McAfee brings across. He's he's incredibly fun. Him and Cole are great together. If we did, if we did best announcing team, I would pick those two. Having just a two-man booth makes it simpler. They feed off each other well. They're able to tell stories. And McAfee does goofy things like jump on the table when Rick Boogs come, comes out. So it, it's fun. You know, I went to I went to Money in the Bank. McAfee has his own entrance to Seven Nation Army. Crowds get excited for it. So so he is very well deserving of this award. And shout out to him, by the way, because last year he was a finalist for Smack Talker of the Year when he did a bunch of wrestling alongside Adam Cole in NXT. So a guy who is not a professional wrestler by trade was not heavily involved in the wrestling universe until a couple of years ago when he did a little bit of commentary um, or, or really pre-show stuff, kickoff show stuff for WWE. Then he goes to NXT, is among our award finalists. And now here he is winning broadcaster of the year. I should note our 2020 award winner was Samoa Joe. So in fantastic company, it was crazy to go back and 
by the way, listen to our award show from last year and see who won certain awards and how those some of those things and people don't exist anymore in their particular companies. Uh, so Samoa Joe, you know, our award winner last year, go- going to NXT, winning the title and now disappearing off television again. Very, very strange. But congratulations to Pat as our broadcaster of the year. I mentioned Smack Talker of the Year. So why should we waste any time? Let's get right to it. The 2021 Getting Over Award for Smack Talker of the Year. The finalists are Eddie Kingston, MJF, and Roman Reigns. And the meaty goes to. MJF, who was a unanimous choice by, of course, the listeners, Vintage Chris Manini, and the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, as our smack talker of the year. Look, I just don't think there was any choice. It was obvious that this had to go to MJF. Think about the three major feuds that he has really been involved in, even as we're now ending the year, CM Punk being the third. He has been incredible in the CM Punk feud. He was incredible during the Darby Allen feud and the extended deal with the Inner Circle Pinnacle and Chris Jericho, all the great mic work he had to do over the course of this entire year. You can say whatever you want about MJF wrestling so infrequently that we don't even get to really enjoy him in the ring. But on the stick, man, he's the best doing it right now. And when you're beating out Roman Reigns and Eddie Kingston, who was our 2020 winner, Eddie, um, that just says all you really need to know. I think this is a well-deserved honor. Smack talker of the year for MJF. Yeah, I had MJF number one, Eddie Kingston two. I actually had Becky Lynch third, but MJF was was the clear winner here. I, I said it a couple weeks ago when I went to Winter is Coming and MJF's music hit, everybody in that arena stood up. It, he, is, he is on another level from a lot of guys. He is clearly a star. And it's largely because of what he does on the mic. People can't wait to see what he's going to say. And you don't know what he's going to say because he says things on TV that nobody else says. Nobody would even think to say stuff about Brian Pillman's uh, mother and and all these kinds of things and the things he says to crowds. Um, This is a real kind of old school heel in that way. He's incredibly just captivating. Every time he's talking, I am completely locked in. I think everybody else is. And uh, yeah, pretty easy decision here. Absolutely. Let's move on to our 2021 Manager of the Year. The finalists were MVP, Paul Heyman, and Don Callis. And the meaty goes to. Paul Heyman, the special counsel or former special counsel to the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Another unanimous choice, of course, across the board here. Look, Paul killed it. He's the best, uh, arguably, ever. I mean, if we're talking the best to ever do it in terms of being a wrestling manager, there are so many names you can bring up from the 70s, 80s, 90s. You can throw some valleys in there. But I'm at the point where I, I currently believe Paul Heyman is the best to ever do it. And I certainly don't think he got robbed last year by any means, but MVP won in 2020 for pretty good reason. He carried a lot of water across the raw brand for Bobby Lashley with the Hurt Business and everything that he did after basically returning just as a Royal Rumble entrant. But Paul Heyman has been the constant. So maybe we overlooked him a year ago. We certainly didn't hear uh, the work he did with Roman Reigns throughout the entire year as this special counsel to the tribal chief, what he's doing even as the year is ending, the incredible 
acting work, the character work he's doing, the way he helped elevate Jay Uso, all of the opponents who fought Reigns over the year, and of course, Reigns himself into this monster heel, of a, a character of which no one ever thought he could be. Heyman has as big of a role in that as Reigns himself. So again, a unanimous uh, vote. And I think Heyman is, of course, exceedingly well-deserving. And credit to Don Callis. He did a good job with Omega, but it was short-lived, not long enough. And he was really, I think, more annoying than anything else. Heyman was just so consistent week after week. To me, it was an obvious choice. Did did you say this was unanimous? It was. All three awards to this point have been unanimous. That will not be the case going forward, but it was so far. This was pretty easy. You know, Heyman last year, he didn't say or do much. He was just at the side of Roman pretty much because he only showed up in the second half of 2020. That was the case for much of the first half of this year, especially as the bloodline came together and there were so many different people. But once Brock came back at SummerSlam, Paul became part of the story in a way that he wasn't before. And he has done such a good job of straddling that line of he clearly, you believe he cares about Roman Reigns, but he's also trying to figure out how to balance all of this and that he comes across like that in, in his character. And as he gets fired last week and he gives that interview to Cale Braxton, um, who, by the way, I had second on my announcer. She did a you great did. job, too. You did. Yes. Um, Heyman told the entire story, not even through his words, but through his facial expressions. This was, he he is one of the best ever. Few have elevated uh, the person there with as much as Paul Heyman has. I know he had some Curtis Axel stuff in the past and, and before, but he elevates whoever he's with. And even someone like Roman Reigns gets elevated by being in Paul Heyman's presence. No doubt about it. Paul Heyman, our manager of the year, and he was, I believe, in second place a year ago. So bumps right up and gets that uh, fantastic honor. Let's move on to some of our event awards. We will start with TV special of the year. Our finalists, SmackDown, Inside Madison Square Garden, AEW Dynamite Grand Slam in Queens, New York, and of course, NXT New Year's Evil. So that lasted 12 months and still made it into a finalist here on TV special of the year. And the meaty goes to. AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. Now, this was not a unanimous vote. Uh, The Silver King and the listeners did vote for Dynamite Grand Slam in first place. So I will very quickly and easily make the case here why this was TV special of the year. Let's remember that a match of the year finalist was on this show, and it's so infrequent that you get top tier quality matches on television. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson to that time limit draw that opened the show to 30 minutes. Extremely, extremely exciting match. But we also had the Britt Baker-Ruby Soho match that was solid. Sting and Darby Allen against FTR, Malachi Black, and Cody Rhodes, and that MJF Brian Pillman Jr. match, which, you know, was kind of a little bit forced in there, but was nevertheless entertaining. Top to bottom, it was a damn good TV special, but what really took it over the top, besides the good wrestling, was the atmosphere. To do a TV event in Queens, New York, it was AEW's first time in New York. They sold it out. It was in the Arthur Ashe uh, Stadium, I believe is what it's called, but whatever the specific name uh, of that venue is. 
Yeah, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, I believe 20,000 people were there. It was arguably the biggest, not just the best TV special of the year, arguably the best television show of the year. I mean, there were fantastic episodes of NXT, great episodes of SmackDown top to bottom, but really there was nothing that came across to me as special as AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. So this was my TV special of the year and the overall TV special of the year. But Chris, it was not yours. I had it second. This was honestly hard. I I didn't know if I didn't think any of these TV specials stood out as spectacular. Um, Grand Slam was fun, but the Dynamite specific episode had had some really great stuff and some really forgettable stuff. I'm I'm not counting the Rampage in there. There was some good stuff in the Rampage too. If you want to count it together, then yeah, then that's it. But the environment, like you said, was really cool to do it in the tennis stadium. To me, the Rampage would downgrade it because I thought the Rampage wasn't very good, actually. Well, there was some of it that I liked in there. But but like, like I say, if you take the good out of both of them, it's it's really strong. I the, 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 the atmosphere of the stadium was really cool. I hope they could run that stadium with the roof open at some point. I think that would be really cool as well. They haven't done an outdoor show if, unless Daly's place isn't really outdoors. Um, so that was great. I ended, I just I went with SmackDown, Madison Square Garden. Um, again, this was really tough, but I, I, I saw the, the, I looked at it, the Roman Reigns promo to open the show was really strong. Very good. Seth Rollins and edge had a really, really strong match in there. Um, there were a couple of tag, there there was a Usos street profits main event match. That was really fun until Roman interferes at the end. So it wasn't, you know, an amazing episode. I didn't think any of these were. So that's why I went with that one just based on the wrestling, but the atmosphere in, in the atmosphere of Madison Square Garden was simply different. Probably one of the best crowds of the year in WWE. So uh, clearly between these two, New York's got some pretty good wrestling crowds, I would say. Oh, absolutely. And you don't need to <laughs> you don't need to feel like your back's against the wall because you chose something else. It's no, I'm just it was a finalist for a reason. I mean, it was one of the yeah, three best I had it, uh, yeah, yeah. TV events of the year. I, just really quick shout out, though, to that New Year's Evil, which I think has probably largely been forgotten about just because it happened yeah. so long ago. But we had a Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly match that was absolutely crazy. Uh, last woman standing, Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley. Santos Escobar against Grand Metalik out of nowhere for the Cruiserweight title. And even the Karrion Cross damian Priest match well, before Priest kind of got brought up was, was pretty damn solid. So it was a really, really good NXT show across the board. And I, I will go on and say, you know, not to be a spoiler, NXT doesn't get a lot of honors tonight on this special show. But it, it, until the 2.0 split, until they changed things around, man, it was a damn good show. I mean, they were putting on top tier wrestling television. So I just wanted to make sure that they went ahead and got their uh, deserved shout out NXT, because again, this was one of their tentpole things, I would say, of the entire year. With that, let's move on to the 2021 pay-per-view of the year. We have four finalists the voting was definitely close for this award. Those finalists are AEW All Out, WWE Crown Jewel, AEW Full Gear, and WWE Money in the Bank. And the meaty goes to. AEW Full Gear is your pay-per-view of the year. Chris, you voted for this in first place. Both myself and the listeners, the Getting Overheads, voted it in second place. So tell us why Full Gear was your pay-per-view of the year. 
I mean, we have to start with the end with, with Hangman Adam Page, you know, completing his his long journey and winning the AEW championship. Uh, that was a really fun match, a great finish, um, pretty much lived up to the moment like we thought they would. Uh, but there were a lot of other good stuff. CM Punk for Eddie Kingston was was solid. The Inner Circle versus American Top Team was solid. I thought Britt Baker versus uh, Ty Conti was fine. Uh, Brian Danielson beat Miro by submission, and MJF beat Darby Allen. So these, you know, the AEW cards are pretty big, and th- this and All Out were pretty close and in tough. But uh, I went with Full Gear. I know All Out had all the returns and stuff, and that that. At the time, people said that was one of the greatest pay-per-views ever. But as I look up and down the card and what we got, I went with Full Gear. Yeah, I I was really back and forth between Full Gear and All Out to the point where if I only had to vote for one or if we only did voting where you had to pick one, I think it would have split in a major way. Our listeners chose All Out, just to be clear. And I believe they picked All Out, not so much for the card itself, though maybe I'm wrong. I think they did it more for the end of the show, the debuts of Adam Cole and Brian Danielson back to back, because that was such right. an incredible moment that it sent you out on a high. Now, the Omega Christian match, it was good. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it was great. So really, for me, the standout moment of that show was the Lucha Brothers against the Young Bucks in a steel cage match, which I know mm-hmm. people absolutely freaking loved for me. You know, it was a little bit 50-50. Uh, but I liked it. Also, we all, there was also, I mean, speaking of returns or surprises, debuts, uh, Ruby Soho as well in that one. True. So it, it was uh, a very, well, Ruby Soho debuted at Full Gear, I thought. No, All Out. She appeared as Oh, All Out, of course. I'm sorry. Royal. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. You're right. You're right. That's what uh, I'm saying. They, 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 for some reason, these two pay-per-views kind of mixed together in your head when you think about it. They them. were both. They were just both fantastic. Like AEW, yeah. I gotta say, their first two shows didn't really like their pay-per-views. Like they were, they were pretty yeah. down. But the last two, they really hit home runs. You know, or you could argue a three-run shot and a grand slam back to back. Full gear, though, man. The Danielson Miro match, I think, gets overlooked. MJF and Darby Allen was my favorite match of the night. Next mm-hmm. to slash combined with Hangman and Kenny Omega. I thought Full Gear was more of a standard pay-per-view. All Out was more about the moments, if that makes sense. And because of that, Full Gear for me was my second place vote. And I thought the clear winner. But we do have to give a shout out, um, you know, because even though we're talking about AEW here and those two shows at the end of the year are fantastic, we got to say again, for the second year in a row or for the last 18 months, I guess, WWE, you can hate on Raw and SmackDown, the TV product, if you want. But when it comes to pay-per-views, they are delivering excellent shows on those special editions. And Crown Jewel and Money in the Bank were both tremendous. I mean, think about the final two matches of Money in the Bank. You had the Roman Reigns and Edge match that went 33 minutes and was an absolute banger. And you had arguably one of the top three Maybe some people might even say the number one Money in the Bank ladder match of all time with Big E, McIntyre, Morrison, Owens, Nakamura, Ricochet, Riddle, and Seth Rollins. It was absolutely stacked. On that same show, you had Flair against Rhea Ripley and the Usos against the Mysterios. I believe the opener for those SmackDown tag team titles was pretty good as well. So you had, and even, you know what, the women's match, I don't think it was fantastic, but we got so many teases of Liv Morgan and Nikki Ash where we were like, man, someone unique and fresh might actually win. 
and someone unique and fresh did win. So that show was exceptionally good. Crown Jewel over-delivered probably more than any show, any pay-per-view of the entire year. Those both deserve a lot of credit, even though you can make a good case that the two best shows of the year went to AEW, two of their four pay-per-views. Yeah, I put Money in the Bank second for, for all the reasons you said, but I'm probably biased because I was there at Money in the Bank. and No, it was obviously, awesome. It was awesome. The, I, I mean, like, as is, is, is a reason I had it at number two, but it was a great show and just being there. The John Cena return at the end. Right. You know, Right. Surprised me like that was top to bottom. I think I gave it an A show. There was not a match on that card that was bad at all. Every oh, card on yeah. that, every match on that card was great. So we definitely had that an A show. There's no question. Yeah, I I had it at number two behind um, Full Gear, but um, yeah. So yeah. So one, one, once we got fans back into pay per views, um, things really picked up in the second half of the year. Not a surprise. I w- I, let me uh, just backtrack a little bit. I have been mentioning the 2020 award winners just to bring things back so people could realize how things changed. TV special of the year this year, AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. Last year, NXT Halloween Havoc. Pay-per-view of the year this year, All Out. Last year, the 2020 Royal Rumble. No, full, I, full gear, full gear. Yeah, I'm sorry, full gear. I, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> AEW, that, that's what we're saying. They're so close together. Yeah. You forget, AEW full gear, the pay-per-view of the year. Uh, last year, the WWE Royal Rumble, which I think was a surprise when that happened. So two award categories right here that went to WWE last year that went to uh, AEW this year. So just notable, something worth mentioning. Uh, Let's keep going to the brand of the year award. Our finalists are SmackDown, AEW, and NXT. And the meaty goes to WWE SmackDown for the second straight year is the TV show or brand, whatever you want to call it, of the year. Chris, this was a close vote. It was right between SmackDown and AEW. Uh, You and I voted SmackDown first. The listeners voted AEW first. Uh, Look, with me, when you're thinking about it over the 12-month span, there were so many episodes of Dynamite that were just terribly inconsistent. I'm not saying they were bad. But you'd get like two really good moments and a lot of stuff that you just really didn't care about. I think once they really bolstered their roster and they added Andrade and Malachi Black and Adam Cole and Brian Danielson, things have really, really picked up for AEW over this final quarter of the year. But until then, you know, they had a big roster, but I think it's fair to say that they just were not utilizing it well. And there's people who will argue and say they're still not utilizing it to the best of their ability. But SmackDown, for the vast majority of the year, I would say all the way up until the draft, was for me clearly the best show. And if you're going to be the best show for 10 months of the year, then you're going to win the award for brand of the year. Yes, it it, it was closer this year than last year. Did SmackDown win last year? SmackDown did, yeah, I just said, back-to-back winners. Yeah, yeah. Neither yeah. year was unanimous. Um, okay. Actually, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. SmackDown was unanimous last year. Yeah, it, it was Not clear sure. last year, especially when Roman Reigns came back. From the moment Roman came back, SmackDown has been the best thing in wrestling since then. It's not as good since the draft. It has dropped off considerably since the draft. And, and Dynamite also picked up in the second half of the year. But if we're going to do AEW as a full brand, we also have to include Rampage which outside of a couple episodes at the beginning 
is largely just a house show and, and means absolutely nothing. Yeah. So um, SmackDown, you know, it's again, tough finish to the year, but it remains. Uh, I, I think if we're looking at the total body work over the year, uh, to me, it was a pretty clear number one. I also think we have to recognize that we're splitting up WWE's votes three ways. So SmackDown, Raw, and NXT, right? Theoretically, you could right. group that all together under one umbrella. Um, so we're splitting them up and SmackDown is still winning. I, I just think that is, you know, exceptionally notable when you note that. I do want to make a correction. I, there's so many numbers. I have two spreadsheets on my screen at once. SmackDown was not unanimous last year. Uh, NXT got okay. a vote for brand of the year. But regardless, um, it deserves it this year. SmackDown, very, very good. It has fallen off significantly over the last quarter. We will see if they pick it up as WrestleMania season approaches. Let's move on. Two, the 0.0 award for worst of the year. Worst what? Worst anything. It can be a gimmick. It can be an angle. It can be a decision. Whatever the hell, the 2021 0.0 award for worst of the year. Our finalists from WWE, Lily. From AEW, the Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo weigh-in. From WWE, the Queen's Crown Tournament. And from AEW, the exploding barbed wire death match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. This was tough. This was tough. It really was. And, and we had so many more nominees, but just those are the finalists, okay? And the winner of uh, the 0.0 award, the media award for 0.0 worst of the year is... The Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo weigh-in on AEW Dynamite. This was the only uh, nominee in this entire category that received votes from all three of us. So myself, you, and the listeners. Everything else was at, at most got two votes or things were spread out. We all hated different stuff across WWE and AEW this year. But Chris, you voted for this as first place, myself and the listeners both voted for it as second place. So please go ahead and tell us why Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo in the weigh-in was the worst thing in the year. You know, when it happened, I thought it was bad. But then when they went into it on that Rhodes to the Top show a few months later, uh, the, the behind-the-scenes Cody Rhodes show, they really showed just how bad it was in terms of in terms of standing on the scale, the big show moving the scale, it was just, it took forever. It was a dumb idea in the first place. Just a complete train wreck of a mess, which Cody readily admitted on the show. Um, and I, I think seeing it in that light made me, made it stick out even more to me in terms of just how much of a disaster it was. No, that's totally fair. So I'm going to speak on behalf of the listeners. The listeners voted in first place the exploding barbed wire deathmatch. So look, we all went into that expecting like, wow, AEW is going to do something that WWE does not have the balls to do, right? But instead of that, they did something that was even weaker than anything WWE would do. Like if WWE put on this exact same match, the production value, everything about it would have been so much better than what AEW gave us. Now, to give Tony Khan credit, he said this was not what happened in rehearsal. It was supposed to be better. But even if it was a little bit better, I can't see how it would have been good enough to be flatly good. 
Now, the one thing I will say is the listeners are the only people who voted for this at all. It wasn't on my top three. It wasn't on your top three. And I want to explain why it wasn't on my top three. Because the match, the majority of what we saw wasn't that bad. Omega and Moxley, the wrestling, all of that really wasn't terrible. But the end of the entire thing was just so pitiful that it brought the whole thing down. So I respect that the listeners voted for this as the worst of the year. But Chris, for me, it did not come into my top three. It was hard to make a top three. I had Lily at number two and the and Britt Baker's burger party at number three. But even just to me, to me, Cody was a clear number one. But there was a lot, like we said, there was a lot of a lot of uh, considerations and a lot to consider. The I, I mean, the exploding match is, is definitely the biggest botch of the year. It's the botch of the year. Agreed. Yes. It, it's definitely the thing you laughed at the most because of something it was hyped up to be. Um, and and AW had not really gotten to, hadn't had an embarrassing moment like that yet and so it was going to be it was interesting to see how they you know recovered from it and responded to it and, and bounced back from there so um it was definitely deserving of well they've definitely had some really bad moments i mean but that was i mean the tooth and nail match was terrible uh jericho flying into cardboard and them selling it like he flew into steel i mean there's a number of things that in aw that were really really bad across the last two years, the Britt Baker's burger party, like you said, you voted for that third. But this, the end of that match was just so absolutely terrible. But even so, it did not compare to the Cody Rhodes, Anthony Ogogo way. And quickly, I'm going to tell you guys my first place vote before we move on. I was really surprised this did not get more votes. The Queen's Crown Tournament for me was the worst thing of the entire year because it was just from top to bottom, insulting and pathetic. You're putting on a tournament of women's wrestling and you are giving matches 30 seconds, two minutes. The entire tournament, I think, I I forgot what the math was. It was under like 14 minutes for like seven matches or something like that. Like how insulting do you have to be to your half of your roster to put on something like that and give it absolutely no time? You go and look at the AEW TBS tournament. It's not incredible, but it's a real tournament. They're all getting eight or nine minutes, almost all of them at a minimum. Some are slightly shorter, but many are also longer. And it's a real tournament. They had King of the Rings side by side with Queen's Crown, and King of the Ring was treated so well. It wasn't perfect by any means, but it was treated so much better. That Queen's Crown, by direct juxtaposition for me, was just disgusting. I ranted about it every week on this show. And my ultimate thought, Chris, was if I got on this show and every week for like five weeks shit on the exact same thing and got vociferously angry about it, how can that not be the worst thing of the entire year? So that's why it was my 0.0. No, that's fair. I, the reason I, di- I I thought about it, the reason I didn't include it was because I was happy that it happened at all. And Zelina has do- has since done something with the crown to make it at least matter. Um, at the time, yeah, it was it was it was like we're finally getting this tournament, but you're not you're treating it like a joke. You do the finals in Saudi Arabia, yeah, it was it was a disaster of an execution. I just didn't end up voting for it because I appreciated the idea, and also we got something out of it in the end. Either way, Cody Rhodes. And Anthony Agogo? Zero point 
point zero. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. Congratulations of being the worst of the year. Let's change uh, directions here and talk about the storyline and angle of the year. The finalists are Roman Reigns' two-front battle on the way to WrestleMania with Edge and Daniel Bryan going back and forth throughout that entire thing. Hangman Page completing his journey and winning the AEW Championship. Seth Rollins and Edge, their multi-month feud, and the formation and success of RK-Bro. And the winner of the 2021 Meaty for Storyline Angle of the Year is... Hangman Page completing his journey and becoming the AEW champion. This was a unanimous vote. I think, look, there were not a lot of actually great options, in my opinion, for this category. Uh, some, some of our other nominees, the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle, and some of the women's feuds and storylines, everything just seemed to fall short outside, outside of those four finalists that I just mentioned. I think Edge and Rollins maybe didn't get enough credit for how good and how long their feud went. But Hangman, this is not feud of the year. This is storyline of the year. And Hangman Page completed a two-year storyline. It had some bumps along the way, but they told it for a large part of the year. They took a short break, and then they came back. They finished it off right before the year went out. I think AEW, Page, Omega, everyone involved in this deserves a lot of credit for for the execution of it overall. And I think it was the unanimous choice, and I think it was a clear choice. Yep. And I can't believe at the time there were some people saying maybe it should keep going. <laughs> right. Not when and I, you have right. you have to you have to end it, and they ended it in a in a good way. Um, he, you know, he he you know, Hangman was in the first championship match way back when AEW started after winning the first battle royal or whatever it was, and so it was a really long journey, and and it was told through the show, it was told through being the elite. If you watch that. There was a really good Twitter thread one time that basically explained the whole thing from his friendship with the Dark Order, you know, leaving the Young Bucks, the alcoholism. Not everything was cleanly tied up, but so much went into it for so long that you finally got that crowning moment. And it was um, it, it was great. Yeah, there, there weren't uh, there weren't a ton of stories. We'll get to feuds. But in terms of stories, this was the clear winner. And I'm trying to remember what was the winner last year? The winner last year was Roman Reigns becoming the tribal chief. Yeah, yeah. Like that that was a that's that was a clear, I don't know if it was unanimous or not, but that seemed like a clear number one last year, and this is the same this year. Yeah, just very obviously the best thing that continuously happened over the course of a multiple month period. In in the case of Hangman Page, a multiple year period. Also, I just since I am doing last year's awards, the 0.0 award last year was Goldberg versus the Fiend at Super Showdown. So Cody and Agogo, you are right in that camp. Congratulations. Yeah. Also, Congratulations. for story of the year, um, oh no, I'm thinking feud. I'm mixing these up. Well, I we're, had coming, okay bro. We're, we're coming up yeah. with feud right now, so it's okay. Yeah, well, so for the rest of the story, I mean, we all had Hangman. I had RK Bro at number two, and then Rollins Edge at number three. Yeah, I mean, all completely legitimate. I had Rollins and Edge at number two, and RK Bro at number three. So there you go. There you go. We were all pretty much in the same uh, hemisphere there. Let's move on, though, as we noted, to the 2021 Feud of the Year. Our finalists, Edge and Seth Rollins, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, and Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan, all leading into 
WrestleMania. And the winner of the meaty for Feud of the Year is... Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan leading into WrestleMania. Now, I was very interested to see how this developed, and it was one of our closer votes. Uh, Chris, you did vote for this as your first place. I did not, and the listeners did not either. So go ahead and tell us why you thought this was your feud of the year. So I had to go back. I went back and looked at the promo video before the Triple Threat Match at Mania because I just I had forgotten about a lot of it. And, and I remembered, oh, man, this thing was hot going into WrestleMania because you had Edge winning the Rumble, and you didn't know who he was going to pick for a while. He picks Roman. They've got a great thing going on. And then Daniel Bryan gets a match at Fastlane, I think, against a Roman, and he makes Roman tap out. And Edge hits him with the chair because he doesn't. He wants to. He wants to fight Roman. Brian's furious. They end up getting into that triple threat. It was like it was a great, simple. Just I hate. We all hate each other. Feud to make a WrestleMania main event uh, match out of, and then to end it with Roman Reigns pinning both guys at the same time in the main event of WrestleMania. When that happened live, I watched that again. Holy shit. We rewatched it that night so many times. We talked about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I watched that. And and so this, this had a lot of heat with it. There was a lot of intensity. So much has changed since then. Brian's not even in the company anymore, but I went back and I was like, yeah, even in the Thunderdome at the time. Here's the other thing, by the way, Thunderdome. I'm going to say this Thunderdome promos were better than they are since fans got back. Oh, absolutely. They, uh, yeah. they had to be. Edge sitting in the chair in the middle of the ring, just pouring his heart out. Roman Reigns saying his thing. Brian screaming. Really good promo work from all three of these guys in this as well. Um, so even without fans, this this was a great feud, and that's why I went with the number one. Yeah, I think it was completely deserving of number one. A case could have even been made, and it didn't get any votes, although it was a nominee for Roman Reigns and John Cena. I think it was just too short for that to really kind of live up to it. But that was a really damn good hot feud that I think is going to get largely forgotten when we look back on this year, but it was fantastic. My first place vote was for Edge and Seth Rollins. I just loved every single thing they did. All of their matches were good. The storyline made complete sense. Each of them winning, getting the rubber match, the steel cage match that concluded it was one of the best matches of the year. It was a nominee for match of the year. So I had put that number one. I did vote Reigns, Edge, and Bryan. Number two, uh, the listeners voted Edge, Reigns, and Brian number three, Edge and Rollins number two, and they picked Kenny Omega and Hangman Page number one. My biggest issue with that is I just never felt like it was that great of a feud between them. I mean, the storyline was there, them being in the elite together, then being tag team champions, then going head to head, Omega kind of trying to sidestep and, and get away from him, and then them rekindling it after... Hangman went away. I believe it was for a paternity leave. And then coming back, mm-hmm. them re- rekindling it and Paige beating him. But I never really felt the intensity. So while they had the best storyline and Paige winning the title was the best storyline, Omega, the belt collector, it never really hit the level that I expected it to. It was almost too much of him being a chicken shit heel and escaping for me to ever mm-hmm. take him so seriously that I thought that him and Paige had this you know, blood feud that needed to end. Reigns, Edge, and Brian, and Edge and Rollins, those two feuds independently, they felt like blood feuds to me. And I thought WWE did a really good job with both of them. Either of them I would have been happy with as winners. And as it turned out, 
they ended up one voting point apart with Reigns, Edge, and Brian finishing out on top. There you go. I, I, I see. I had Rollins Edge at number three in my story of the year, but I didn't put it in feud of the year just because this one was really hard. And because I wasn't going to give it number one, I kind of wanted to give some shine to some others. I, my number two feud of the year, I put Becky versus Charlotte. Um, obviously, there was some real life stuff moving into that, and it was pretty short. But the promos that they cut in kind of that month leading into their Survivor Series match was electric. And the match they had to open the show, I thought was one of the most exciting women's matches of all time. Yeah, there was, was. You, you want to talk about intensity, the intensity you didn't get from Kenny Omega and Paige. You got it from that one. So that I had that number two. And then number three, I put Matt Cardona versus GCW fans. We haven't talked really about GCW on here, but I wanted to give him a shout out. That's a promotion that I was not familiar with at all. Um, I, you know, I saw the, the um, uh, behind, beyond the dark side of the ring uh, about, about it a little bit. But Matt Cardona has gotten me to follow GCW a bit because of the stuff he, he's doing online and on Twitter and, and stuff he was doing with the belt. That scene of him winning the championship and getting pelted by garbage was incredible. That's one of one, probably one of the most one of the most stunning images of the year in pro wrestling is a bloodied up Matt Cardona holding the belt as everyone's pelting with garbage. So I wanted to give a special shout out to that, too. Absolutely deserving of it. Now, our next award was not part of our voting, and it was a complete mistake uh, by me, the Silver King. But what's funny is it's the same mistake I made last year. So I guess whatever list I was working off, it didn't have the award on the list for 2020, and therefore it did not have the award on the list for 2021. But I have put the note in the appropriate place, and that will be fixed for 2022. Now, last year, it was referred to as the Big Meaty Man of the Year Award. And that award went to Big E. And this year, we went ahead and switched it up just a little bit. We're calling it the meat slapping moment of the year. The moment where we got as much meat on meat action as we could possibly, possibly take. So this year, uh, there weren't really finalists. I just, I got on the phone with Chris. We talked it over. We went through all the big moments, particularly in WWE, which really has the biggest and meatiest men in professional wrestling. And we talked it through and we tried to figure out what was the meat slapping moment of the year. So allow me to tell you. The winner of the meaty for meat slapping moment of the year is Big E's avalanche big ending on Bobby Lashley inside of a steel cage on Raw. Now, we had a lot to choose from in WWE. Braun Strowman had some moments. Uh, I think even at the very beginning of the year, Keith Lee had a couple moments. Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens. I mean, there was a lot of beef out there in WWE to choose from. There's a lot of beef out here. But ultimately, there is only one moment that can be the biggest and meatiest. Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> and in that match between Biggie and Bobby Lashley, we had two big meaty men going head to head. Oh, we got two big meaty men bumping me tonight. They bumped a lot of meat in that match. It was a very, very exciting Raw match that obviously just recently happened. It was Big E's, I believe, first defense 
of the WWE Championship after he won it. And I think it is very well deserving of the meat slapping moment of the year. Yeah, some others that I just wrote down uh, were noting there was a Survivor Series Battle Royal when Omos and Otis went head to head. They kind of smacked into each other. They literally smacked the meat um, before Omos eliminated him and, and I think won that Battle Royal. Um, there was a Keith Lee Bobby Lashley match in July. That's what it was. There yeah. was there was a, uh, a six man tag with Omos Lashley and AJ Styles against Drew McIntyre and the Viking Raiders. That might be the the meatiest match of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, obviously, this is all WWE. This is where most of the meat is. So you know these are the meaties. So we had to give some proper acknowledgement of uh, of the meat flying around out there. We absolutely did. And my bad for not including it on the voting. Uh, that will not happen again. I will make sure it is there for 2022. I keep kind of forgetting to talk about these 2020 awards. When I when I do this, I, I try to move on here. Uh, the feud of the year last year was Bailey versus Sasha Banks. So it stayed mm-hmm. in WWE this year. It went to the men. And like I said, last year, it was a big, meaty man of the year. And that was more of an honorific. And that went to Big E. So Big E kind of goes back to back here uh, with the meat slapping moments of the year one year after being the big, meaty man of the year. But let's move on to the awards that everyone voted on. And we will follow up the meat slapping moment of the year with the overall moment of the year for 2021. Our finalists are John Cena returning, Big E winning, Money in the Bank and the WWE Championship, CM Punk returning to wrestling, Adam Cole and Brian Danielson debuting one after another at All Out, and Bianca Belair defeating Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. As you can tell uh, by the number of finalists, this was, it wasn't necessarily a close vote, but there were a lot of things that received votes for this award. Nevertheless, the meaty for moment of the year goes to CM Punk returning to wrestling and debuting on AEW Rampage. And yes, this was absolutely a unanimous vote. Chris, this one is just not a surprise. Um, We've seen returns in professional wrestling all of our lives. Anyone who's a wrestling fan, you get a number of them any given year. Few of them are as impactful. Few of them feel as important. And few of them are done as well as this CM Punk return and simultaneous debut for AEW. Everything from the setting being in the United Center in Chicago, the name of the show being the first dance playing off on Michael Jordan, the promo he cut after he debuted, the ice cream bars going to fans, the t-shirt selling out, but more than anything else, the show opening, I'm actually getting goosebumps saying it, the show opening to silence an immediate CM Punk chant that rang out across the entire crowd, them getting Cult of Personality, him making that entrance, the extended ovation. I literally am getting goosebumps recounting this right now. Mm -hmm. Nothing came close to this. The Becky Lynch return was awesome. The Brock Lesnar return, John Cena surprising. Cole and Danielson back-to-back, great ovations. None of it was a moment like CM Punk returning to wrestling after seven years. This was easily the call and a well-deserved one for AEW and for CM Punk himself. Yep. That was the moment that was the kind of moment that had people on your Twitter timeline talking about it who don't 
follow wrestling week to week. Like they know about it, but they don't follow it. Right. Everybody was talking about CM Punk's return. It was it was it was the, the biggest thing out there. And I like they teased it just, you know, I'm a big surprise me guy. Don't tell me something's coming. They didn't tell you CM Punk was coming, but they hinted just in, they hinted it was like the right amount were like, I'm excited for it, but also like there's still a part of me that's not sure. So when when and I, they they opened the show that they did the right thing. Awesome. Uh, awesome uh, moment. You, Punk's a guy, you know, they always say everybody comes back in, in pro wrestling. And, but he was the guy we didn't think would because for a long time, there was only one company to come back to. And, you know, there was lawsuits and all kinds of stuff Punk was going through. Then AEW comes up and there were talk at the beginning. Hey, it's Cody Rhodes talking to Punk and Punk said no. And then, you know, eventually we, we, you know, we get to this moment. So, Without a doubt, number one moment of the year. I had John Cena's return at number two and the Brian Danielson, Adam Cole debuts at three. For me, for the moment of the year, just kind of looking really quick, I had Big E winning Money in the Bank and then subsequently the WWE title as number two, simply because, I mean, you guys know how big of a fan I am of him. And to see him win that briefcase, the ovation he got at the end of such an incredible match, to me personally, that meant a lot. And then I had Adam Cole and Brian Danielson debuting it all out as my number three moment of the year. And I'm not forgetting this time, the 2020 moment of the year was Edge returning at the Royal Rumble, which of course was absolutely fantastic. And, Th- and those moments, surprise returns are the best thing about wrestling. They are yeah. like uh, nothing matches it. And for a long time, it was hard to do it. You could only have a return. Now that there is an AEW that is established, that has money, now you have guys jumping companies again. We haven't yeah. had that in, in in two decades. That's exciting. Now you can, it's all the time we're talking, hey, is this person going to leave and go to that company? Is there, are they going to make a surprise return? It, it's, it's, a, it's a new era of surprise debuts and returns, and we haven't had that in a while. That's what, that's what, that's one of the biggest stories of 2021 in wrestling is just, the surprise return slash debuts. And you know what? It's going to be really exciting when it goes both ways. Because at some point, people are going to go from AEW to WWE. I don't know when it's Mm -hmm. going to happen. I don't know who it's going to be. But at some point, it's going to happen. And also, AEW contract information does not get leaked nearly as much as WWE stuff. So if that happens and WWE signs someone and they debut them uh, the way they did uh, AJ Styles, for example, is really the last like outside the company big hire that debuted to a massive crazy ovation, right? It's been yeah. year. I mean, when was that? 2015? Like, I don't even know. Maybe Something you can like look that. it up. Um, but it's been so long since we've had that. That possibility now exists for WWE to do something like that. Uh, and obviously, AEW has been doing it, which has made AEW extremely exciting. We have a lot 2016 more. Was, 2016 was 2016. 2016. I was pretty close. That's not too bad. Uh, we have a lot more awards. So let's keep going here. The 2021 Comeback Wrestler of the Year. Our finalists were CM Punk, Edge, and Becky Lynch. And the meaty goes to... Edge for the second straight year, which is very, very difficult to do. Wins Comeback (laughs) Wrestler of the Year. This time it was Edge coming back from injury. He got injured in the, I believe it was the greatest wrestling match ever against Randy Orton. Yet was, a good match. was able to come back, have a, a great return, goes ahead and is in an incredible feud with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan at the time and has been in a great feud as well with Seth Rollins. I think some people may be surprised that CM Punk didn't win. Well, 
Here's a newsflash. He did not receive a first place vote from anyone for comeback of the year. Myself and the listeners voted Edge. Chris, you voted Becky Lynch as comeback wrestler of the year. For me, Edge was an absolute no-brainer. I'm very surprised you picked Becky. Tell us why you picked Becky. Yeah, I mean, I had Edge too. It was tough. It's just, it was like his comeback wasn't, it was a comeback, but it was like, it wasn't the same comeback as before. He he had a great year without a doubt. I just think Becky Lynch coming back, getting a championship, having a great feud with Bianca, having a great multi-person feud, you know, leading into the draft, great one-off with Charlotte. Um, and I like the lift stuff. Everything she's done since she's come back has been maybe the best thing going on in, women, in women's wrestling. So that's why I went with her at number one, Edge at number two. Um, but also shout out to Christian, by the way, who <laughs> needs to be acknowledged for having a really solid year. He was in multiple, you know, main events for Impact and AEW. And, you know, now he's kind of like a manager for Jurassic Express. But, you know, for a guy who for a long time wanted to come back in WWE, wouldn't clear him. Also, he was in the Rumble. We had that we had that great know, Christian yeah. moment in the Royal Rumble. Right, right. So he, he's a guy who he worked in three companies and was a big part in, in a main event of three different companies. So just shout out to Christian, who who did have a solid comeback as well. Uh, the listeners and I uh, both voted CM Punk second and Becky Lynch third just for clarity. Yeah, I didn't do CM Punk because he didn't. He barely wrestled, and none of his wrestling to me has been because it's comeback wrestler. So I was thinking about kind of their in ring. Punk being back is great, and some of his promos are great, but everything he's done in the ring is largely. Well, I think the Punk case is simple. It's it was seven years. You know, it was similar to Edge. Edge was coming back after injury after one year after coming back after however long he was gone ten years. CM Punk was gone seven years. Becky Lynch, I think, deserves a lot of credit coming back from pregnancy in absolutely incredible shape and and you know, reinventing herself again. Um, but I think there was a case truly for Punk. But Edge, for me, it was it was kind of a no-brainer for him to to be in that first spot. Uh, and I don't need to tell you last year because it was Edge, like I said, back to back. So congratulations <laughs> to Edge. Uh, let's hopefully, move on. Hopefully he doesn't. Hopefully he does not have to make a comeback next year. Yeah, let's hope that this is the end of this award going to Edge. Maybe next year he can win, win like male wrestler of the year or something like that. Uh, let's move on to the 2021 breakout wrestler of the year, our three finalists are Riddle, Bianca Belair, and Sammy Guevara. And the meaty goes to... Bianca Belair by unanimous vote. Uh, not surprised to see Belair win here. We did have a number of nominees, but the only people receiving votes were Belair, Riddle, and Sammy. The case for Bianca Belair, it's very simple. Uh, she was already good in 2020. She comes in, starts 2021, wins the Royal Rumble, main events the first night of WrestleMania against Sasha Banks in a match of the year contender. She does have that kind of low moment, sure, against Becky at SummerSlam that we all hated, but immediately after that was put in a great babyface position, had, I think, two very good matches against Becky Lynch, just randomly had a great series of matches with Dewdrop. Um, is really good on the mic. She gets incredible responses from the crowd. And when you talk about breakout, it's who became a true, not to use the WWE term, but a true superstar in wrestling. Yep. She's not only the breakout wrestler of the year, she's the breakthrough wrestler of the year. Bianca Belair deserves all the credit for it. Like I said, it was a unanimous vote. Uh, easy, easy decision. For me and the listeners, Riddle came in at number two. And for you, Sammy came in at number two. I think very similar things can be said for both of them. 
Their profiles were raised significantly. They both became mm-hmm. extremely more popular with the audiences, but neither of them, I mean, I know Sammy did win the TNT title. Riddle has the tag team championship. Neither of them really had that crowning moment. It's very difficult to compare those things with main eventing WrestleMania and winning the Royal Rumble. Bianca right. Belair truly broke out in 2021. Bianca Belair became a star. She became a face of the company. You know, she's in, in the commercials now, stuff like that. So um, all three of them broke out in different ways, but she broke out more than anybody else. And it's a pretty clear decision. She absolutely did. Uh, last year's winner. It's <laughs> depressing. It is so depressing to me. Last year's winner was Keith Lee. Oh, <laughs> I Ugh. mean, come on, guy, you know, comes in, starts 2021 strong, just like he ended 2020. Goes on the COVID list, uh, you know, obviously has massive complications from it. Luckily, works his way back and then gets saddled with the Bearcat gimmick and then gets released. I hope he has an incredible 2022. Um, maybe we can even I don't even know if he would be considered for comeback wrestler of the year in 2022. But he is an opportunity after having 2021 basically off to maybe come back yeah. next year and be a breakout or be a comeback. Um, you know, if he signs with AEW really is what we're looking at. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, uh, let's move on to our two awards for match of the year, just slightly different. One is best match of the year. The other is worst match of the year. So let's start with that. The 2021 worst match of the year. Our nominees, Randy Orton versus The Fiend at WrestleMania. Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jax, the first time they fought. The Miz versus Damian Priest in a zombie lumberjack match. And Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. Now, I have to be clear here. When it came to Cody and QT Marshall, they had two matches. One was an exhibition match, and was the other one a strap match? I don't remember what the what the stipulation or deal, what the second match was. But both were so bad that I didn't think it was easy enough to differentiate between them. So when we did our nominees, I said either or both. So you it got, was, if it you was wanted, strat, you, it was a strap match. You're right. Okay. So if you wanted to vote for this, you had the option to consider either in your head uh, when voting for this. So I just wanted to clarify that, you know, as we uh, went through the nominees, but let's now talk about the winner. The 2021 meaty for worst match of the year goes to Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. Man, I am legitimately surprised at this one, I have to say. I did vote for it first place myself, but again, in another category, this is the only nominee that received votes from all three parties, me, you, and the listeners, the Getting Overheads. They also voted it first as worst of the year, and you voted it second of the year, second worst of the year. Uh, Look, this was just terrible. Like, there's other matches we're going to talk about right now and why they were so bad but there was nothing redeeming about this. And they built such a long convoluted storyline around it that you thought once it actually happened, it would be good. It wasn't good. In fact, something that I don't even know that it got nominated and it definitely should have was Big Show against QT Marshall. Paul White against QT Marshall because it was a terrible build. It was a match that never should have happened. And it was on a pay-per-view, at least I don't think that either of these were one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think either of these were on pay-per-view. And you know what? Maybe we completely overlooked the listeners, us, that match as a nominee. But the QT Marshall dynamic is clearly not working, and he hasn't been on TV in any significant way in a long time. 
coming out of those two feuds. This just, Chris, did not work at all. No, it's it's funny. I was at QT Marshall's, I think it was his debut at a Dynamite like two years ago here in Dallas. And he got over, we, there was a tag team match with Cody. And I think we all called him like Cody's friend and we were chanting his name and stuff like that because it was like this new guy. And then, you know, he he's a perfectly fine worker. He's a he's a trainer for them. He does great work there. But just on-screen character stuff and doing these matches with Cody just did not work at all. The Big Show stuff was complete nonsense. I had it number two. I put Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jackson number one because largely because of safety purposes and <laughs> and um, just kind of how much of a mess that whole thing was. But uh, Cody versus QT is... Certainly deserving. Certainly deserving. Uh, I had Charlotte and Nia number three, but I mean, that was a horrendous, horrendous match. For my second place, I voted Randy Orton and The Fiend. It was a WrestleMania match that was horrific, and it ended up ending The Fiend's run in WWE. We didn't know it at the time, but the whole match, we thought they they had had a good match. They had like that Inferno match and a pretty decent storyline, and it was built up to WrestleMania. We were excited about it. And they just mailed it in and had Alexa Bliss come out on top of the entire thing. The listeners voted the Miz and Damian Priest in the Zombie Lumberjack match second. And I got to say, you and I both didn't vote for it at all. Was it stupid to have the tie-in to whatever that movie was, Army of the Dead, I think, on Netflix? Yeah, it was really stupid. Was the match wrestled well? No, it wasn't necessarily wrestled well. But despite it being corny and terrible, it was terrible. It wasn't like the worst match. There were so many other things that happened. We mentioned Cody and QT, Charlotte Flair and Nia Jax, Britt Baker and Rebel against Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero on Dynamite. Those were terrible matches, the things that actually happened in them. Uh, for this, for what it was, it probably wasn't that bad, the zombie lumberjack thing. It was just That's, absolutely I, I, ridiculous. Yeah, when it happened at the time, I was like, well, that was completely weird and random, but like... I got what they were going for. And yeah, you don't want to be out there with the zombies. You know, it made sense. It was weird. It was whatever. Heard the movie was pretty good. Army of the Dead. I never saw it. I think Batista's in it. I believe it got good reviews on Netflix. Yeah, but I didn't see it. Yeah, so I don't know. I never saw it. Uh, Last year's worst match of the year was Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. The Broken Rules match where Matt got concussed. And and that match continued. Yeah, that again, safety. That was number one. That's why I had... Obviously, they didn't get hurt to that extent in this. But that, that, that was my reasoning behind Charlotte versus Nia at number one. No, I think that was a totally fair vote for you. Um, Charlotte Flair and Nia Jax, not even a question. All right, we have four more awards left here. We're handing out meaties here, the getting over awards, but it is arguably the second or third most important award, the match of the year. Our finalists, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair at Survivor Series. Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay at NJPW, Wrestle Duntaku. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson at AEW Grand Slam. And Walter versus Isla Dragunov too for the NXT UK Championship. And the winner is... For the second year in a row, Walter versus Isla Dragunov for the NXT UK Championship. Not only, Chris, was this a unanimous vote, it was the only match that received votes from all three parties. Our second place and third place votes from the listeners 
yourself and myself all went to completely different matches. That's how crazy the match of the year voting was. But we said it last year about Walter and Dragunov, and it held true this year, except it went to another extreme. It was beautiful brutality. It, it, it's, yeah. it's unlike any type of wrestling I've ever seen. And I know they do strong style in New Japan and throughout Japan. They've done it you know, for decades. And I know they do it in Europe. And many, there's also strong style wrestlers in the United States. But what Walter and Dragunov did to each other in 2020 was so great. It won our, you know, match of the year award. And when they did the rematch, I kind of said there's no possible way that they can top what they did in that match. They topped it. I, yep. I, I It was an A-plus match. I forgot the star rating I gave to it at the time. But it was so clear in a way the best match for me. You had Isla Dragunov come out on top and win the championship after that long trek. You can, it's not the same as Hangman Kenny Omega, which was maybe a little bit better told story and it was a more in front of you told story. But this was a long time storyline as well. The fact that it lasted a year, that it went from 2020 into 2021. We got the rematch. They delivered on it. They put on a better match than they did the first time with an incredible achievement at the end for Dragunov. It's the match where it finished, and I remember sitting back and saying, well, that was the best match of the year. Highly doubt anything tops that. And here we are months later. That was the best match of the year. Nothing topped it. I found a big problem with going match of the year for a match without a finish. The Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson, I, I loved it. It was an incredible match. Top 10 match of the year, maybe even top five. I couldn't give it a, a top three vote because it didn't have a finish. Hangman Page and Brian Danielson, also a damn good match. I couldn't really get there. I'll just tell you my second place was Shingo Takagi against uh, Will Ospreay from Dontaku. They had two great matches this year. But that, to me, you could make a case it was best match of the year. I just, Walter and Isla Dragunov was more my speed. And Edge versus Seth Rollins and Hell in a Cell, that received my third place vote. It was just a great Hell in a Cell match with two incredible wrestlers. Um, The listeners did give Omega and Danielson second place, and they gave the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros inside a steel cage third. For me, that's not even anywhere near my top 10. I know people loved it, but I just didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's my show, so I get to say whatever I want. And for you, uh, your second place was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. For the reasons we discussed earlier, it was incredibly exciting. And Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in the unsanctioned match, you put that third. Yeah, I had had women's matches at two and three. Um, the, the, The intensity and the animosity in those two matches really jumped out. Charlotte, Charlotte Becky, we already talked about, but yeah, I don't want to forget Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker in that unsanctioned match. The thumbtacks, the blood told such a great story. That was the moment Britt Baker started to become a star. We didn't mention her on breakout, but she's been the champion, but that was a moment where she got taken a lot more seriously. So I wanted to shout out all four of those women for, for their performances there. But yeah, Walter versus Dragunov. You know, you, back last year, you're like, you, you told me, you're like, you got to watch this match, <laughs> maybe the match of the year. I really liked it. My actual match of the year last year was the uh, Undisputed Era versus um, Imperium Worlds Collide match. Incredible. But, 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 it, and now my Walter Dragunov this year. That's a credit to NXT, which is, you know, obviously fallen down a bit, just kind of in status in wrestling, but in the big moments, still able to deliver 
the best matches. I mean, Walter Dragunov, the story they told in that match, incredible. You did, like you didn't. That's one of those matches you don't need a promo video to hype you up. You don't need to know anything about Dragunov. Just their their physical size, everything tells the story and the the, the brutality, the kickouts, the false finishes. Man, that was absolutely incredible. Certainly deserving of winning match of the year for the second time in a row. And if you're listening to the show, by the way, and you're like, how could you guys not have picked uh, Ken, uh, Kenny and, and either opponent, Danielson or Paige? How could you not have picked Paige Bryan? How could you not have picked the triple threat from WrestleMania or you know any other major WWE match, Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan? If you're saying that, you haven't seen this match. Go watch this good. match. Come back and talk to us, okay? Looks like, yeah. Uh, Meltzer gave it a 5.25 stars. I think that says says here that's the highest rating he's ever given a WWE match. Uh, probably believe that, but deserves more. than I don't know. Is that really true? He didn't give uh, the Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano matches higher than that? Any of the Gargano? Those, those were, those were, there, there, I mean, there were five stars. The, the, the Money in the Bank uh, back in the day that we talked about it in New Orleans, that was a five star. I, this must be the first one he's ever given more than five. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's completely true. I could have sworn some of those Cole Gargano or Cole Champa matches got more than five stars. I could be wrong, um, but I, I could have sworn. That's he, what. That's what I, inside the inside the ropes says. It's his highest ever. So I'm not saying I'm they're wrong. They, they're a very reputable yeah. place, but that does seem surprising to me. But regardless, uh, this was just an absolutely incredible match. Well deserving of match of the year. Our Three uh, awards remaining are for Tag Team of the Year, Female Wrestler of the Year, and Male Wrestler of the Year. So we are definitely down the stretch here, Chris. Um, We should note that voting for Tag Team of the Year, extremely close. Male Wrestler of the Year, extremely close. Female Wrestler of the Year, not that close, which is a little bit of a surprise. Let's get to the awards right now. The 2021 Tag Team of the Year. Finalists are the Usos, the Lucha Bros, and RK Bro. And the meaty goes to. The Lucha Bros are our Tag Team of the Year. And the voting here, I gotta say, Chris, very surprising. I would have sworn that our listeners would have put Lucha Bros as the Tag Team of the Year and you and I would maybe be a, a, you know doing something a little bit different. That was not the case. The Silver King is the only person out of everyone to vote the Lucha Bros Tag Team of the Year. You, however, <laughs> did vote them second, as did the listeners. Uh, we'll get into the breakdown after I talk about the Lucha Bros, but just top quality matches. Every single time they were in the ring, often together, sometimes in a triple, uh, a six-man t- tag team situation, independently they both individually had great matches as well but you know was i a huge fan of the feud with the young bucks and the steel cage match no i was not do i understand that it was absolutely redonkulous what happened in the (laughs) ring during that match and what has also happened in many other lucha bros tag team matches that have happened since including this entire feud with ftr that's gone on far too long but is nevertheless very entertaining yes i absolutely understand that uh pentagon Ray Phoenix are two of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, I think there's a very good reason to vote for RK Bro. There's a very good reason to vote for the Usos. But for me, consistency across the board for the entire year, despite them dealing with travel issues from Mexico 
more than one time. Just look at what they accomplished in the ring. That's what I had to judge this on. And for me, it was an absolute no-brainer. The Lucha Bros Tag Team of the Year. Yeah, I went with the Usos um, because mostly because of story. You know, Lucha Brothers have had great matches. They have not had a ton of stories. And, you know, obviously language differences, the promos aren't really there either. Bell to bell, they've been the best. But I think when I look at the entire year and the stories that were told, you you know, 2020 ended with the Jey Uso stuff, which is great. We can't count that. But we had Jimmy come back this year. And we had that stuff with him and Jay of, hey, you know, why are you being Roman's bitch? I'm not Roman's bitch. They have the shirts. You know, they have that story going on. Then they then they, have, they, they start protecting Roman. They're a tag team. They have some great matches with the Mysterios, that Money in the Bank one we talked about. Then the bloodline officially kind of forms. And, and they've 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 they have elevated Roman Reigns as the champion. They, they haven't been his lackeys that they, they they stand on their own well, in that group. I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're his lackeys. They've they're, held they're their the own, but they're team. also definitely his lackeys. I mean, it's both. No, but they're the tag team champions and they're not just out there. You know, they've interfered in some matches for him to win, but it's not like, oh, they run out there and the, the face beats them down. And then Roman is the one standing there like they, they are formidable certainly they're all of famers um so i just think that the, the, the they always have great matches and then you combine that with the stories that they've done really i the usos over the last two years have really become fully formed interesting characters through their work with roman um and in the bloodline so i had them number one lucha brothers number two young bucks number three and just to clarify the listeners uh had Archie bro as the tag team of the year and i presume that was more for entertainment value than anything else. And I think it's fair. They were mm-hmm. a new team, very exciting. As we mentioned uh, on our last WWE edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast that we taped earlier Tuesday, uh, they are arguably the most over thing right now in WWE. So deserving. I did vote them second place. For me, the Usos were third. Uh, you did vote the Young Bucks third place, the only person to give them a vote. Uh, obviously, I'm not particularly a huge fan, but they are totally deserving, of course, of being I, honored I, for their, like, their their ability yeah. in the ring. And you know what? I think I, I may not love them in the ring. They're really good character actors. So yeah, you got to give they've them really done that a lot more that. this year. They, they've done a lot of really good character stuff this year. I think the he was a heel turn this year. I don't remember exactly what it was, but between the the outfits and the beards and the shoes and the BTE stuff. Their character work is why I gave them a third place vote. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's deserving. They're just not my cup of tea, but respect to the ability to their ability in the ring, obviously, and the, certainly the job they did working with the elite, helping that Kenny Omega storyline along. They really played a huge role in that this year. And yeah, that did happen uh, in twenty twenty one. So that was all from this year. Two awards left. The main events of this show. Let's start with the twenty twenty one female wrestler of the year. Only three finalists for this and for the Male Wrestler of the Year Award. The finalists for Female Wrestler of the Year, Britt Baker, Bianca Belair, and Becky Lynch. A lot of Bs here, but the winner of this will certainly receive an A because the meeting for Female Wrestler of the Year goes to Bianca Belair, who was a unanimous selection across the board. And we talked about her already. We don't necessarily need to go too deep into it with Breakout Wrestler of the Year. But the woman literally accomplished 
basically everything all inside of a calendar year, winning the Royal Rumble, main eventing WrestleMania and winning that was in scheduled for a really big match at SummerSlam that we didn't get to see, but then came out of that feuding with the number one woman in professional wrestling in the entirety of professional wrestling, Becky Lynch, one of the top 10 in terms of you know popularity and excitement wrestlers in the world. Uh, Becky, I think being a finalist, despite only kind of returning in August, she deserves certainly a lot of credit. Uh, Britt Baker coming in here. She actually, Britt received the second most votes. Although this, you know, both of them received a lot of votes. Um, Britt received the second most votes. Obviously her match with Thunder Rosa, the unsanctioned match was fantastic. She's been great on the mic all year. For me, Britt just, the truth is she's not that great in the ring. And in when she's been asked to carry feuds, hasn't really been able to do it. So that for me is why I voted her third place. But these were the top three with a bullet. No question for me. Uh, No one else received votes. And I'm not saying that no one else did a good job this year because other women's wrestlers certainly were accomplished. But when you talk about the top three, it was these three women. Yeah, I I thought about Charlotte, maybe. I don't even think she was nominee. She had a very strange year, but I think a very important year. But it was clearly Bianca. You know, the breakout stuff is what we talked about. The rumble of WrestleMania. Boom, she's a star. What makes her female wrestler of the year is the Becky feud, the Dewdrop matches, you know, so, so many other things that she's accomplished since WrestleMania, I think, on top of all of that. So uh, pretty clear for her incredible year. They have made a star out of her. You know, I you know when she lost the belt at SummerSlam, everybody said she was getting Kofi'd. I said that's not happening. They clearly value her and see her as a star. Mm-hmm. And she has continued to be in that position for them. Incredible future. She's accomplished so much in just this one year and you know can still do so much more. Our 2020 uh, Women's Wrestler of the Year, Female Wrestler of the Year, was Sasha Banks, who, you know, had her time, certainly, to start the year. She came in as champion. She did the job to Bianca Belair. Um, it looked like we were getting that rematch at SummerSlam. Had we gotten that rematch, maybe she's in the conversation. Maybe she's receiving some votes, but she didn't, and she wasn't in that match. And ever since then, she's been on TV, she's been in feuds and done stuff, but she hasn't really been a focal point. So it does make sense. Uh, also, she, and she did do a great job on The Mandalorian. Sure. Whatever. Whatever you say, man. Um, But yes, Sasha, you know, still solid. Great chance to win this award again next year, uh, but definitely was not in the top three this year. That leaves us to our final award, the 2021 Male Wrestler of the Year. As I mentioned, only three finalists for this award, two of which, Chris, we've known have been finalists for this award for the last six months. They've clearly been uh, you know, in, in this conversation, uh, the finalists are Roman Reigns, Kenny Omega, and our third finalist, Daniel Bryan slash Brian Danielson, uh, for his time in WWE and AEW. The final meaty of the 2021 getting over awards goes to the tribal chief and your universal champion, Roman Reigns. However, this was not, Chris, a unanimous vote. Yourself and the listeners did vote for Reigns as our male wrestler of the year. I voted him, surprisingly, maybe, second place as male wrestler of the year. So go ahead, sing the Tribal Chief's praises. Tell us why he was the man in 2021. For one, he was the champion the whole year. He he carried SmackDown 
second half of 2020 and all of 2021. The Wrestle the the the, the WrestleMania feud was great. The Edge feud was great. The Cena feud was great. The Brock stuff has been great. Things have been a little iffy since the draft and all that, but he's closing strong with another Brock feud. Um, he, you know, ever since he came back, he's been a he, he's been a completely different guy. He is the coolest guy in wrestling. You know, we talked about how Kenny Omega is too much of a chicken shit heel. Uh, Roman Reigns to me is what I always want in a in a heel, which is the big bad guy, and that's what he is. I, I had him as I thought he should have been number one wrestler of 2020. Who won last year? Drew McIntyre won last year. Yeah, Drew McIntyre. That, that was fair, but because Reigns came on late, I, you have to remember. Yeah, he he did, he did. But but carrying an essentially carrying an entire show, and and when we didn't have fans, he was. We talked about it half of the show, literally. You know, between the matches, between the stories. Um, to me, it was a pretty clear number one. Yeah, so I completely agree. And you're even forgetting some feuds in there. Like, you know, you're mentioning a lot of great ones, but like the Cesaro match was incredible. The matches Mm -hmm. with Finn Balor, including that Demon match. I mean, if that had a real finish, that would have been one of my match of the year contenders. I think there is every possible reason to vote for Roman Reigns in this spot. And all year, up until probably October, maybe even November, Roman Reigns was my clear-cut male wrestler of the year. No question about it. However, at the end of the day, my vote actually went to Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. And the reason was, with, with the exception of the short period of time he took off, he was a like top two guy in the main event feud for WrestleMania, let's not forget, in WWE. He takes like a couple months off, and then he becomes basically the hottest thing in AEW. So he did it across two companies. He had four match of the year contenders, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, Roman Reigns one-on-one, and Roman Reigns and Edge in the triple threat match. That's an absolutely insane body of work. He did it on the mic, again, across both shows. He main evented multiple pay-per-views. And he, I mean, even though in AEW, it's not really a main event because they sometimes put the match on first, he basically had main event matches that received his first couple of five-star ratings, according to Dave Meltzer, although he's had more than two five-star matches in his career, um, in his first couple of matches in AEW. So I really thought about this long and hard, and I did think about how some of the rain stuff as the year went on wore a little thin, and it became repetitive, and so many of the match finishes, the booking for Reigns at the end of the day was bordering on LOL Cena wins territory of the rope snapping against Finn Balor or the Usos interfering or all that type of stuff that I earlier in the year, don't forget, criticized Kenny Omega for. And I think Omega had a really good year and deserved to be in the wrestler of the year conversation. But the reason I didn't have him above Roman Reigns for the last 11 months or for an 11 month period was because he had so many chicken shit finishes to his matches where it was just like, yeah, the belt collector thing is cool, but what does the AAA mega championship or the impact title or, or the TNA title, what do those really mean to me? They really don't mean much. So it was a cool gimmick, but in the end, he lost everything. He lost to Christian before he beat him. So Kenny, for me, he just was not really in the conversation. Like for me, Reigns was the number one guy all year, but I really, really, 
loved the body of work that Daniel Bryan put out there. So that is why he was my first place vote. But Reigns was my easy second place. It was splitting hairs mm-hmm. between them. And I think he is completely deserving of wrestler of the year. What did Kenny Omega win the PWI uh, number one? Is he that did. he won that? He like, did. I thought that was yeah. completely ridiculous. I know that's a kayfabe award. And I presume he won that because he had multiple championships. But yes. Reigns has been yeah. so dominant in WWE. Like you said, to your point, Chris, he basically was the main attraction on one of their television programs without fans from January, since we're just talking about 2021, from January all the way to mid-July. When fans weren't there, the reason people tuned into SmackDown largely was Roman Reigns. And he deserves- He's the needle mover. He was a needle mover. He's the needle mover like the shirt says. And and he deserves (laughs) all the- He deserves all the credit in the world for being that and for being our male wrestler of the year. The reason I I put Brian at number two and the reason was because he lost or didn't win all of those amazing matches that he had. Um, That that to me was a pretty clear number two. Now, is he bell to bell the most interesting guy going? Absolutely. If we're just talking about wrestling ability, it's Brian. But I, when, when, for this award, I look at storylines. He was in have been pretty good too, for sure. But you know, he's, he hasn't come out on the winning end of those uh, while Roman did carry the title was the focus of the show every single week. And that's the thing with Kenny is that like he, he wasn't even when he's a champion, you know, he's not there. He's, he's sometimes there. He's not wrestling. He's wrestling very infrequently. Obviously he's hurt and you know, we hope he gets better. That's part of it. But to, to me, it was clear Roman number one, clear Brian, uh, Brian number two. I had Bobby Lashley at number three. And I wanted to just felt like he deserves a special shout out here for having a really incredible year from, you know, starting the year with the U S title stuff. The hurt business stuff was great. Uh, he wins the title, has some good matches with drew, um, carries that, got some good matches out of, got some interesting, I won't say good matches. I'll say got some interesting stuff out of Goldberg, uh, <laughs> when, when they did their stuff and has had some good matches with, with Big E. So, he he uh he had a very very strong 2021. He was someone who, in the ring, I was interested in. Any any time he came on the screen, he became an interesting dude. The Kofi beatdown at Money in the Bank was 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 notable as well. So I thought he had a great year. We haven't talked about him much on the show, but I had him at number three for for uh, for male wrestler. Yeah, I think he deserved to be in the conversation, and he was not someone that was part of our initial uh, nominee list, but he did have a really dominant and damn good title run put on a number of really good matches and like you even that Goldberg one like you mentioned it totally over delivered like I never mm-hmm. expected it to be that good so Bobby Lashley absolutely Chris deserved uh, to be in that conversation uh, but that is it those are the 2021 getting over awards aka the meaty. Yeah, you're you're killing it. The, this gimmick has to die. I think. We're fading away. It's yeah, fading no, away. we. I think we got to improve it somehow next year. Luckily, we have 12 months to figure it out. Uh, but look, I, I appreciate everyone. I know that um, the window for nominees and for voting was really tight this year due to our, our schedules and all the work that Chris and I both had to do. It's really on me. I I, um, I had so much to do um, personally and with work that I, it had to be done in a tight window. But despite it being done in a tight window. Uh, so many of you voted in that window, more responses than we even got a year ago, which is absolutely incredible. 
Uh, you guys continue to be uh, a joy to respond to and uh, converse with and interact with on Twitter, where you can follow us. Don't forget at Getting Overcast. And the fact that we have done 250 episodes of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast is is absolutely cause for celebration as 2021 comes to a close. Uh, it's it's so cool to do this show to have so many of you listen to us talk about wrestling and care so much about our opinions, wanting to share your opinions. Uh, it just means a lot to us. And um, so yeah. for, on behalf of myself, I'll let Chris speak also, but and Chris, just want to say thank you guys for listening to the show uh, over this calendar year and for being with us for 250 episodes. Yes, 250. It's been great to see this grow. Tweet at us if we had anything missing or wrong or your, any your own thoughts on the awards. No, we're Let perfect. We're perfect. What are you talking about? Over how how could we have me. missed something? It's impossible. We, we nailed it. Well, I wanted to throw in one last quick award we didn't vote on. I just want to Are you really going to ham? You're going you're gonna to shove this in the show when I told it's you. It's going to be real quick. It's going to uh, be real quick. Do it. Okay, sure. It, you're a co-host. It is, it is your favorite and tweet at me if you have an answer. I'm just, not giving you the sound clear. drop. I'm not giving not, you the drums. Not so you. Just, just not you. Favorite new entrance theme of the year. Uh, this was quite a year for new entrances. Um, Orange Cassidy got, uh, got uh, his uh, Moxie got wild thing. Uh, RK Bros really good. Go listen to that. But for me, number one, I want to mention it because I think it's one of the greatest entrance themes of all time. And that is Roman Reigns. I listen to that head of the table theme literally every single day. It, 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 it is, it is incredible. I've listened to piano versions of it, rock versions of it on YouTube. It's it, to me, it's the greatest, the greatest entrance theme going best entrance theme of the, of the year, new entrance theme. If you have any other thoughts or votes or anything, just tweeted them at me at Chris Vanini. I like I like these kinds of things. We didn't have enough time to fit it into the, well, you voting, just shoved it into the show. You just shoved it. I just wanted to throw. Yeah, I just wanted to throw it in at the end of the show, uh, and that's it for me. Uh, first of all, I agree that that's probably the entrance theme of the year. I think taking uh, popular music and making it an entrance theme to me that that wouldn't be deserving of an honor. It's just buying the rights to a song and 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 using it. Also, I thought the Moxley one honestly was one of the worst of the year, just because he had a great theme yeah. in AEW, yeah. and then they give him Wild Thing, which I, it has to hearken your memory to major league, the film franchise. Yes, of course. So now yeah, he's course. saddled with, with this, what's his name? Ricky Vaughn. Is that the, the character's name? Yeah. Rick Vaughn. Rick Vaughn. Rick right. Rick Vaughn. So now I'm thinking Rick Vaughn every time the guy comes out and it's just like, why he had a great, awesome theme in AEW. So I, I, yeah, I thought I, that was terrible. I don't like it, but I, I can't deny that the crowds love it. They go nuts for that song. And I have sure. to, I have to give credit to that. It does work. Okay. Well, thank you for shoving that into the uh, already very long, uh, 2021 Getting Over Awards, and I'm stealing it from you because you did it, a.k.a. the Meaties. Uh, I appreciate you all listening to our 250th episode of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Please do not forget that Getting Over is all about So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Drop a five-star rating for us, especially if you listen to us on Spotify. We really want to make sure we get 100 reviews over there. We're pretty damn close. Um, we will be back on Thursday this week for the final episode of 2021 as we break down AEW New Year's Smash and preview NXT New Year's Evil. So we do have one show left, the 251st episode of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. And then the next time you hear from us will be Saturday with WWE 
day one instant analysis as soon as that pay-per-view goes off the air. So for the penultimate time of 2021, this is the Silver King Adam Silver Machine bidding you adieu along with Vintage Chris Meaney and leaving you with three final words. Bye for now. <laughs>